Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here for another episode of The Breakdown. Pastor Nick is back in town. He's off vacation. We're going to cover how vacation was. We're going to cover Sunday sermon and more right here on The Breakdown. If you're new, uh, buckle up. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Just, I'm still in vacation mode. Uh, yeah, just buckle up. Some people are like, you were a little unglued Sunday. It's like, how little? They're like, what do you mean? Like, Nick vacation mode is great. Yes. It's yes. a whole nother experience. Which is pretty much just like, I think normal Nick is at 75% of vacation Nick at any time. The possibility of any time. That's fair. Yeah, okay. that's fair. I say you're more like a 60, 60? consistently, but okay. then you I'll take that. jump to 75, but vacation mode's a full 100. <laughs> full. Just, you're like, it's something I else. I love it. I love it. So, um, How you doing, bud? Dude, I'm good. Welcome back. Great podcast last week. Did you listen to it? I was, so we we got off the boats okay. at like 8.15, <laughs> which meant I had to get up super early that morning and breakfast. You got off the boat at 8.15? Off the boat at 8.15, which means like... Luggage, everything, like your whole family. Your guys' schedule was very unique. Because the last time, the last and only time I've been on a cruise, yeah. we we got there that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess that was right. Yeah, we got that, on the boat at okay. like 10.30. Now I think about that. Yeah. That's right. But like we had a scheduled time if you want them to handle your luggage or you could just handle it yourself and you could just get off the boat and... It, it started at eight. Okay. And so we were some of the first to ride like, off the boat. We wanted to get in front of traffic, all of that. Well, you had a long trip home. 14 hours. And as if that wasn't bad enough, you guys were having to come home at a pretty quick pace. Yeah, because the next day, the girls, the older girls, had to go to fall weekend. Yep. So we were... It wasn't even like that. Hey, you know what? We're just going to crash here in a hotel yeah. and take out. Like, And it wasn't bad because it was like every three hours we'd stop. Hmm. You know, every three hours, give a stop. That's we had about four stops in there. The the worst, I think, is we stopped in Joplin, hit up a Smoothie King because we didn't want like a full dinner. And then, but that last drive from Joplin home was rough. And so we, yeah, off the boat, 8, 8.15, we were on the road. And then we pull into the house right before 10 p.m. Mm. So when you think of just like a full day of just driving. Now, the cool thing. It's exhausting. On the drive down and the drive home. Just mm-hmm. have a nice moment of silence for the reverence of in and out. We had in and out too. Um, sadly, uh, my son not as hyped about it as really. Yeah, he goes, I like my guys better. And I said, There's there, there are centers in the world, buddy. My daughter loved it. Animal style fries, the shakes were good. So they've never had it before. They've never had it before. Interesting. But okay. they can do all gluten-free except for the buns. That's what we liked about it. So oh, I didn't know that. They can have the fries okay. because they're dedicated fries. They only fry French fries. They don't fry bread anything or, okay. or anything like that. So they, we were able to have everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think my son would have liked it more if they would have had barbecue sauce. That was like the linchpin That's the linchpin of it all. Yep. Like he puts barbecue sauce on everything. He he puts barbecue sauce on everything. I can put ranch on everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's pumpkin pie. What are you doing? You know, like it needs a little something, something. a little sweet baby race. You know, like that's like if you if you want to win, you know, my son's heart, just give him a, a big old jug of sweet baby race. That's what's that's where it's at. I know I'm getting date for Christmas. There it is. There it is. So no, but it was good. Yeah. So yeah, that was the and then getting back laundry immediately when we were getting home. And then the next evening we're taking them to fall weekend and dropping them off. Because we had talked on Thursday and I had made the joke like <laughs> you were just coming home and like doing laundry and turn around and send the girls back out and be like, Yep, basically that's how it's gonna Pretty be. Much it is, yeah. That's and so 
So anytime we've ever moved, Ashley doesn't feel like we're home until like pictures are on the wall. Yeah. And so same thing coming home from vacation. Like we roll in and it's like, I just want to like do nothing. Like, nope. Suitcases, living room open. We're unpacking. Yeah. We're doing laundry. We're putting stuff away. And I'm just like, sit down, woman. That's always for us because it's like, hey, vacation mode is over. Vacation was fun. I don't want to start off because we used to just come in and do that. It's like a oh, long trip. Then it take a week and a half to get stuff to where it goes. I was okay like waking up the next day and doing that. So, uh, nope, not her. So next year, I'm going to just go to Chloroformer. She's going to walk into the house. <laughs> you cannot say her out. things like I can't take that out. Okay. And it's my wife, though. It's okay. No. That's, no, it's not. Okay. No, that still doesn't work that way. I, would, I give her a sleeping pill. There you go. Okay. Un- unbeknownst to her. We'll take that. Is that it? <laughs> Here, babe, I She's like, I'm really this. tired. Like, go ahead and take a nap. Take a nap. Like yeah. She wakes up. It's like, <laughs> what day is it? It's, it's like three days day. later. <laughs> like, you're ready to walk out of the grave. We're like, let's go. Oh. We, uh, when we go on vacation now, because yeah. we usually do Airbnbs, yeah. um, we do all of our laundry before we leave that day. <sighs> so the clothes we wear, we'll usually wear them like yeah. that day, whatever. And then the next day we come home. We have a dirt. We have a dirty clothes bag that is completely separate. We come home, put the clothes away, put it away. Done. Oh, that's it is the greatest feeling ever to come in and be like, okay, that was good. That was good. I like that. Now clean out the car with two ladies, <laughs> at least one. Oh yeah, goodness gracious! You're finding curios for yeah. days. Yep. So, uh, so last week we had uh, Pastor Cliff on. Yes, formerly Pastor of Calvary. So when we left, I, we had like no service on the boat really. So on the way home, I listened to the sermon, okay. and then listened to the podcast, which was it was kind of unique just to be able to like. To know you're listening to something you're normally on? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was, you know, and to hear you, you, you spoke a little bit more than normal. Normally, you're just like, I just let Nick talk. And it's like, no, nah, I kind of liked it when there was a little bit more engagement. So, so I mean, yeah, we're a, expecting better. Buddy. I was really nervous about that. Like, <laughs> honestly, and I told Cliff that it's like you and I, like we work together, we're riding each other all the time. Like, yeah. we know kind of yeah. like when to interrupt and how. And I think he's finishing a thought. But I didn't know that with Cliff. So it's like, I didn't want to be rude and cut him off. At the same time, it's like, listen, Cliff has got, <laughs> Cliff is a brilliant man. He doesn't need my help in any way. Oh, exactly. So, but it was good. It was good. So uh, can we talk about the sermon? We can talk about Cliff's the sermon. sermon. Not my sermon. Oh, Cliff's. We, we sure. We, we have something we need to talk about. Oh boy. Okay. So he. Is this like correcting a heretical he, thing? Yeah, is this you a, know, pretty close to it. <laughs> close to it. Let's just call it what it is, okay? You, you called him and said, hey, Cliff, buddy. You know, um, but funny. there needs to be some correction here. So he he taught a great principle in Bible interpretation, mm-hmm. the rule of first mention, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about, hey, where did that first word tabernacle come into it? Where was that? Yeah. And he he taught that concept, and that is true. And, that's, and that falls under the umbrella of let Scripture interpret Scripture. One of those rules is, okay, where was this first mentioned? What yeah. is the context of that? Because that kind of, and we have the same kind of thing in our law, like it sets a precedence. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a precedent setting case, lawyers will uh, refer to that. Yeah. And then, oh, well, there's a precedent setting case. This is how it was ruled. We are in like mind and go from there, right? So so I, w- I want to talk about the rule of first mention with something that he, he brought up. Okay. So he was talking about a tabernacle, and we are all tabernacles, and he mentioned me. He did. As he a did. tabernacle. And and he said, you know, Nick is a tabernacle. Bald tabernacle. <laughs> he did. A tabernacle. 
So do you know what the rule of first mention, if you apply that to the word bald, do you know where that takes you? I can only imagine. Okay, so Second Kings 2. Oh, boy. So, you have biblical backing for this? Absolutely. <laughs> they call me pastor for a reason, guy. What are you talking about here? Okay, so there's a story where Elijah is getting made fun of by Jay, Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. Not Elisha. Not Elisha. Cool. Elijah. Just always feel like yeah. we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to no, clarify. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Uh, so Elijah, you know, he with a J. We'll just call him Jay. Jay is getting made fun of by some kids. This is 2 Kings 2. And we're looking at like verses like 22 or something like that. Um, and so what happens is, so he went up from there. This is verse 23 to Bethel. And while he was going on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So a prophet of God who has slain 450 prophets of Baal. It's getting made fun of mm-hmm. for being bald. This is the rule first mention of where is bald in the Bible. And he turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord, in the name of Yahweh. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. And from there, he went up to Mount Carmel. And from there, he returned to Samaria. So if you are with Cliff out in the woods, I would be careful because the last time the rule of first dimension that a man of God was made fun of for being bald, two she bears tore up 42 boys. And I'm pretty sure two she bears could take care of Cliff. Oh, my goodness. Quickly. So rule of first mention. I mean, just he, he brought it up. I'm just I'm just applying it, buddy. Listen, all I know is um, so that be Cliff. I think Cliff might be able. He can take two bears. He can take two bears. So he pin those bears so quick. When I came down for my candidating weekend, yeah, he swung over. We were staying in like a little lake condo or whatever. And for Sunday morning, uh, I wanted to see Team Huddle and stuff like that. And he's like, "Hey, I'll just pick you up early, yeah, so your whole family doesn't have to get up and they just come later and stuff." I said, "Perfect." So he picks me up first time. Not first time really meeting him. I've met him before. We've had phone conversations, but it was just me and him in the yeah. car. And we're just, you know, not talking about anything serious whatsoever. Yeah. And I was bringing up the number of deer that we were seeing around. And he's like, yeah, you got to be careful. Because like he was, I remember some of my first years here, I hit a deer. And people kind of said like, hey, that could happen. And if the deer is, you have to put it out of its mm-hmm. misery. Like if it's hurting or something like that, you got to go and take care of it. Which like that's a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. He goes, so he's talking about he goes, he he hits this deer and the deer's still alive. He's like, and all he had was like a pocket knife. And he's like, I guess yeah, I'm gonna just gonna go out here and I want to take care of business. You know, he's gonna Rambo Dang. this deer. And he, you know, got the knife out and the deer's laying there, panting. He's like, All right, let's go. And gets close and the deer just like jumps up and runs, right scares the snot out of him. I was like, it's like, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. I, I would have just backed up and hit the deer again. <laughs> Like, like, what is that guy doing over It's like, there? I'm out. I'm just, I'm leaving. Yeah, like, so yeah, he told me that. So he could probably take two she bears. Some bear comes rolling out of the woods at Cliff. Like, I'm putting my money on Cliff. That's fair. I, I would do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. I'd totally do it. So I, I'd say this now on the podcast when I'm away from Cliff. You see so that? I didn't say what I'm I next can't to wait. Cliff. I want to be know? a fly on the wall when yeah. he shows up at church. <laughs> like, Everybody buddy, we be got... like, wow, Nick talked about you in the podcast. 
you know, we talked about uh, Cliff and Nick having such a good relationship, and then something changed. <laughs> what was it? Nick left for vacation yeah, and yeah. came back, and yeah, it bald just head tabernacle and... over here. So, <laughs> no, that was cracking me up. He said, he said that I because I got a text like one of them came in like when we were in port. I had a little bit of service, and he's like, "Oh, Cliff called you a bald tabernacle," and I was like, "What?" Like, so when I heard the what's message, the context? Uh, yeah, what's the, yeah? So I, I heard the know. message, and then he was talking about the rule of first mention, and I started laughing, and actually he's like, "What?" And I was like nothing you'll, right. you'll hear yeah right. i i laugh about those things like she would have been like you're such a nerd <laughs> what are you that's not that funny exactly that's not funny at all uh it was a it was a good message if you didn't it get a was. chance to listen to it uh that or the breakdown go check it out go to our youtube chat so page. good yeah like it so was good really good he uh he spoke on first peter 2 5 talking about discovering our god created purpose oh, oh good it yeah was so good and just to have a fresh breath of air away from revelation <laughs> That was probably, it's probably overdue, yeah. but that's when my was vacation good. was. And so it was really nice. That was good. So so then we, uh, you came back and we jumped right back into Revelation. Why do you say it like that? And then you came back. No, I was just like, you're here, we're preaching Revelation again. We got a breath of fresh air and it's like, you got to dive back down deep. The pool is deep. We got to oh, go. Oh so, man. Yes, it is. Uh, so you did Revelation 19. 19. So um, we are nearing the end. We are close. Of the book of Revelation. We are on the, uh, would you call this the, uh, the approach to landing you know yes. when they start telling you yes. like hey you landing gear is out let's go and what's so hard is there's so much in this mm-hmm. like we, you know we have two or three chapters just in the letters to the seven churches like we could use two or three more chapters on the marriage supper of the lamb we could mm-hmm. use two or three more chapters on the millennial kingdom we could yeah you know, there's there's so much there and you know and obviously all scripture is written by god breathed out by him and so he gives us what we need and it's like we so for me i have to like almost kind of hold back my curiosity a little bit mm-hmm. and it's like all right god revealed what he revealed and then no more yeah and there's a reason for yeah. that you know so there we go um so some notes that i took oh man here we go um just uh, if you haven't listened or maybe to to re uh, to recatch you up, recatch you up, to re- catch you up. Yeah, recatch you. That up. That doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Um, but we've never let that stop us. <laughs> let's go. Um, seventy day, seventy five day period between the tribulation and the millennium. Yeah, it's Daniel twelve. Yep. Four meals or suppers: uh, salvation, communion, marriage supper of the Lamb, and the great supper of God. Yep. Um, Jesus returning to Basra to defend the remnant of Israel. The mess that is left after this, and the cleanup, uh, or the cleanup is the great supper of God. Yep. Um, Imagine that. We're going to talk about that. That's This is where we're headed to. Um, Let the bodies hit the floor. Oh, man. You remember that song? <laughs> you said this, and this was so good. Yeah. We don't allow the word of God to lead us. We ad-lib our faith, our theology, and anything the like. Mm. Um, that's the air we get into. Is yes. we don't, okay. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. We let the word no. of God lead us, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> I'm gone for one week and the heresy comes out. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, the, that's the issue we run into. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last thing, um, even coming off of that, we don't get, uh, we don't get to look at the word of God and decide who God is. Ooh. God decides who he is and we read scriptures and we see who God says he is. I am. Um, and then, uh, for me personally, and we can take this wherever, the buffet of faith and doctrine. <laughs> yeah, there's a few points doing the Mad Lib Jesus. Uh, I could look out and you could see these smiles or this like, 
he's not going to stop. He keeps going. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I just kept stacking it of where there, there might not be one of us that's doing all of that, but all of us are doing some of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's the key where it's like, I'm not doing all of that. Good. Praise the Lord that you're not. Yeah. But you're doing some of it. So you're doing something. Yes, you know for sure. I mean? So let's, uh, if we can, yeah. if you wherever will, wherever you want to go, like, if, this if you'll is your entertain, show, buddy. I'm, uh, this is not I'm my just show. the eye candy, and, um, and you need to upgrade that. <laughs> Good grief! <laughs> um, I would love to look at the four suppers. I love a good dinner. <laughs> Partly because every good Christian thing revolves Amen. around food, right? Um, Even Jesus did that. Come on. Yeah. And I feel like you did that on Sunday. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, and because you talked about the breakdown on Sunday, I was like, that would be something to flesh out, Yeah, you know, even more. Um, and then where you so beautifully took us to Jesus returning to Basra mm. and the cleanup act. Um, and then I want to end with uh, talking about. Uh, the buffet of faith and doctrine. I have a yes. question. Oh, here we go. Or a thought, maybe. My wife and that was and I probably were like fresh off the boat too, because you know, obviously, there's a buffet on the boat. So uh, all like, you thought about was food, like yeah, getting that, up. And I was just like thinking about that because you just saw all of us just picking and choosing exactly. And like you look at your plate, and nothing makes sense. You know, nobody's what you wanted. Yeah, nobody's eating. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know what? I want uh, this style of food. Like, yeah, like. Asian food, then you had American food. Like it was just, it was, a, it's a smorgasbord that yep. doesn't make sense sometimes. And so I love it. Yeah. So the four suppers. Yeah. Let's uh, walk us through the four suppers. Yeah. Maybe in greater detail than you did on Sunday. Ooh, okay. If that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so reading through the text, you know, you have the marriage supper of the lamb and then later there's this great supper of God. And, and so the first question that I was asking myself are one, I know they're not the same mm-hmm. because it's a different audience, different, different dinner, different everything. And so, um, answering that well, so which ones, uh, which, which one do you want to be invited to? <laughs> which yeah. one do you want to be a part? Yeah, because I was going to ask you to to walk through that and how you said it on Sunday because yeah. that was really yeah. Really and so good. in one of the one of the commentaries that I read, there was just that great quote. So the four suppers, just a review. So the first one is the supper of salvation, mm-hmm. and Jesus gives kind of alludes to that in one of his parables talks about somebody throwing a great banquet which i believe is a wedding banquet Mm -hmm. if i'm remembering off the top of my head and and he talks about how people are invited to that but and then they don't show up and you hear the excuses Mm -hmm. i'm working i'm busy i don't have time and all of this and in that culture like that was huge Mm -hmm. like hospitality the uh, relationships i mean that is huge to to deny coming to a banquet like that especially like if it was somebody that was close to you important that they were like hey you mean so much i want you here but then for you to and and what they gave it up for wasn't (laughs) their excuses weren't good enough yeah you know it'd be different if it was if it was a, a bigger reason why i can't make it but that wasn't there it was just it was normal life stuff and and what was so offending is the banquet wasn't a normal life thing. This was a big mm-hmm. moment that you pause normal life for and come to this banquet. And so they refuse. 
and obviously it angers the guy and it, and it should. And so then he invites, he looks at his servants. He's like, invite anybody Yeah, go out and find, yeah, grab them off the street, bring them in. And then in the parable, obviously there's this, there's the part where somebody's there and he's not dressed appropriately. And so, you know, there's a whole lot we could talk about in the sense of salvation. We need to be dressed appropriately, meaning it's the righteousness of Christ, not by works, mm-hmm. I think is the biggest key right there. We don't, we don't dress ourselves for yeah. that. We're given clothes for that. Um, and so there's the supper of salvation. And then the, it's kind of the second supper that we see in scripture is communion, the last supper where Jesus institutes communion, um, not in John six, where he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. That's something totally different. And we can, uh, easily push against our Catholic friends that would say that. Um, and a lot of people think that's where, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. Um, so communion is instituted at the last supper. It is symbolic because the meal itself that they're eating, partaking in the Passover meal is a symbolic meal. Mm And so for him to take a symbolic meal, he's just giving greater symbolism to it. He's not giving it uh, reality. Yeah, It's not making it literal. It's still symbol, but he's fulfilling all of that. And even when we had um, our Jews for Jesus friend here and he was showing us that symbolic meal of Passover, there was so much meaning in that that they didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was something um, uh, somebody in the life group brought up was with the marriage and, and how they did a Jewish wedding. He goes, there were so many things there, but they didn't even understand the full meaning for it. And I said, yeah, uh, there's a lot of things in the old Testament where Israel is commanded to do things and they didn't understand the fullness. Mm-hmm. Well, why do we do that? Because God told us to, you know, so, so he gives it deeper meaning and he institutes communion and that's a remembering of the body and the blood of Jesus, obviously, but also, and I think that's the part that we always miss a little bit as often as you eat, eat of the bread, drink of the cup, whatever. I know I just summed it up, right? The words of Jesus, just whatever, whatever <laughs> no big, Jesus no was saying gift. right there, you know, that's that last supper thing. Um, you do this in remembrance of me and you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so every time we take communion, it's a, it's a remembering back, mm-hmm. but it's also a remembering the hope of Christ's return. And we talked about Sunday, that biblical hope mm-hmm. where if, if, if God said it and everything that he says flows from his character and he can't not be who he is. So if he makes that promise, like that's a for sure, it will happen. Yeah. And we can almost approach it as if it's past tense because it's that sure because it's God. And so every time we take communion, that's the biblical hope of his return. Um, some people uh, new to Calvary or they've just kind of missed it a couple of times. You know, we've been snapping the cup after communion mm-hmm. and somebody's like, why do we do that? And so I tell them, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's, <laughs> that's, the, only that's the only reason, you know, and I tell <laughs> the story where I learned that from and where that came out of. And, and the idea is I don't need this cup anymore. Like I am, I am more, my hope is far more in, uh, the next big event won't be communion because we do it monthly mm-hmm. is not communion, but the return of the Lord. Yeah. Cause there's a chance that we take communion and that's the last Some, time we take it. Someday some church is going to take communion for the last time yep. and they won't need it anymore. It's a crazy thought. It's crazy. Right. So, so that's the supper of salvation <laughs> supper, uh, the last supper, uh, communion. Um, and then there's the marriage supper of the lamb. And here's the key point that we need to remember. Um, <clears throat> 
So, and we'll see this more. Uh, I'll talk about the uh, first resurrection, which is actually in five kind of parts of when people are resurrected. Um, that'll be next week when we talk about the millennium. But uh, you have Old Testament saints, you have tribulation saints, you, but the church, the, the marriage supper of the lamb is for the church alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, those are more like friends to the wedding. Mm -hmm. But that's not the bride. There's a difference between the bride walking down Mm -hmm. the aisle and her friends hanging out at the wedding. You're not marrying her friend. You're You're marrying her. Exactly. And so and so some people are like, okay, what about a Jewish person today that puts their faith in Jesus? Where would they be at? Are they are they? No, they'd be a part of the church. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we would want. So, um, and so the marriage supper of the lamb is Christ and the church alone, that marriage ceremony. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's not for old Testament saints, like the marriage supper of the lamb isn't for Abraham or David. There's, there's other things there. And we'll talk about that in the millennium, uh, next week. But the, the marriage supper of the lamb is between the church Mm -hmm. and Christ. And I think so many different evidences for a pre-tribulation rapture uh, are there, and this is one of those. And so when we look at the Jewish, ancient Jewish wedding tradition, it's like, why was the bride hidden away for seven days? Mm-hmm. You know, we wonder that, and that's just a part of what they do. But then when we look now at eschatology and we think of the bride of Christ, the church, hidden away for seven days, which would be a week, going back to Daniel, mm-hmm. the 70th week of Daniel, you know, so we we have been studying Revelation and the tribulation is uh, we're talking a lot about what's happening on Earth. Mm-hmm. We're getting some glimpses to the throne room and what's happening in heaven. But one of the things is this is the period that the bride is hidden away. Mm-hmm. But then she's going to be revealed in her glory when she comes with the bridegroom. But what we see there, fast forward a little bit to the whole Basra situation, is he's going to be dipped in blood. We are dazzling in white. Mm-hmm. We're the cheerleaders. We're the we're just cheering them on. But that's the, it is for the church alone, marriage supper of the Lamb. And so then later, uh, then in the later parts of nineteen, that's where we see the great supper of God, and completely different because an angel comes out, looks at all the birds, and says. Hey, you know, buffet time, gorge yourself. And it's a cleanup crew per se Mm -hmm. of, because think when Jesus goes from Basra to uh, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which is the Kidron Valley that he stepped over Mm -hmm. to go to the garden of Gethsemane to pray and all that. And the blood from the lambs was draining into that. And so kind of a, a crazy thought to think that the lamb of God stepped over these Passover lambs, knowing that his blood would soon be the one poured out for the sins of the world. Like just crazy idea, right? So he, when he returns, we're going to be with him. We're going to actually go to Basra first. He's going to defend the remnant of Israel. And revelation tells us that he's going to go that 1600 stadia, which is 184, 186 miles. Um, and the blood is going to be bridal high and da, da, da. Like that's going to be this, single uh, Jesus by himself, he troddens the wine press alone in battle with anybody against him. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to kill them all that stand against him. I mean, there's just, there's no cute way that this isn't the Jesus petting a sheep. This is our conquering king. Mm-hmm. And, and some people struggle with that. And it's like, well, what do you, what did you want him to conquer? Mm-hmm. Well, cause we always think, oh, he conquered sin and death. Okay. Almost like a universalist yeah. kind of yeah. mindset. Yeah. 
But okay, what about everybody that stands against him? He's going to conquer all. It's not just a sin and death. It's not just yeah. a a spiritual concept like that. But anybody living in this period of time on earth, just like we are living in this period of time on earth, they stand against him. They're going to war against him. He he's going to decimate it. He's yeah. going to there. There's no mercy because mercy has been available, and the cross is the greatest. Uh, image of mercy you know mercy has been available but at some point that that uh, is not going to be available anymore yeah. and it's like you've had your chance so it's not a oh why doesn't god give him a second chance like we're so many far removed from yeah. second it's not even funny and that's what's been helpful for me as we've walked through revelation is understanding what like the time period uh, not the time period sorry the time frame yeah that 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 is an offer Mm -hmm. like we think of or i think a lot of times what we think of is revelation end times jesus coming back and it's this one full swoop and it's like where's the grace in that and it's like okay you don't have a like we've talked about before you don't have a full complete understanding of what's going on and that's why the doctrine of eschatology matters because if we sum it up to a single event yeah where is the grace of god in that but when we see all through the seals, all through the trumpets, all through the bowls, that there is, there's, it is happening for opportunity to repent, mm-hmm. to turn away, and it just doesn't happen. It's um, so my multiple members of my family do not like seafood or peas. I, I will one hundred percent give on the peas. I, I don't. You know, I pea? love seafood. I love seafood too. Right, and so. Babies um, don't even like peas. <laughs> I love peas. Love. Oh, come on. So you're like, where are you going with this? Imagine asking, you know, okay, you hate peas. Just like, hey, let's go get lunch today. And I want to, I want you to, do you want a side of peas with that? You're going to say, no. Okay. Now imagine I ask you like eight times during the meal. And then I'm going to do that for like seven years. Mm-hmm. At what point are you like, Nick? I don't want. I'm never going to eat these. I'm never going to eat these. I don't want these. I'm like, you are utterly refusing every offer. Like, I understand it's available. Yes. I understand that that's an option I have. I don't want peace. I don't want that. We, we, for some reason, I don't know where this comes in our thinking, those that struggle with this, that, um, that there's no, uh, uh, there's no matter of the will for mm-hmm. these people, you know, cause sometimes we run and we look at Pharaoh with Moses and, Oh God hardened his heart. And see, he had no choice in that. Da, da, da. And it's, and it's like, no, 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 Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. God just said, all right, have it your way. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing he says in Romans one that they suppress the truth. It's like you're in the pool and you have a beach ball and you're, you have to hold that thing underwater. Mm-hmm. That's not a passive activity. You are intentionally actively holding yeah. that down and you're suppressing the truth and you're exchanging, Paul would say, the truth for a lie and you're gonna go from the creator to the creature and he even kind of walks down the road that you're not even picking the best creature, you're picking the worst and he gives you over to that. You hardened your heart to God, he's gonna, have it your way then. Yeah. And so that's where we see that mercy and grace time and time again are offered. But at some point, like they're finally just looking at him and saying, I don't want it. Yeah. 
And and that's the other thing that we struggle too is we think of those that are in hell, and and I want to say this in just reverence of like that is a very real place and it is a very serious. And it's like oh if they could just if we could go down and unlock the gate they would want out. Mm, no, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would walk over to the gate and slam it closed because they don't want God. Mm-hmm. And think of the rejection of the grace and the love and the mercy and the truth of God to say they would rather pick what they are going through than to surrender Mm -hmm. to Jesus. And so there is coming a time where that offer is not going to be available anymore. All through the Old Testament, the day of the Lord, what do you think he's referring to? There's coming a day that that's not going to be available anymore, and he's going to shore up all evil and all those that have done evil against, and and that's that's the conquering king going from Basra all the way to the Mount of Olives, you know, with that victory ascent up, and he's going to set up the millennial kingdom. Yeah, there there there's going to be some things and some people absolutely decimated from it, mm-hmm. and so the great supper of God then is the birds of the air are just going to come and gorge. I mean, you just imagine. Like it's going to be a very sobering, somber thought. Yeah. Like, because we as the church are going to be riding behind him. Yeah, we're not removed and not experiencing it. Yeah, we're going to we're see. We're just that. not fighting. Yeah, we're not fighting, but we're going to see this. That, and and people are oh, this is going to be so so grieving and burdensome. Uh, I'm gonna tread lightly here. It won't be. Yeah. Because we will see Christ in His fullness. And we will know the full extent of their rejection of him. Yeah. And it is whatever that is going to be. We, we will know just like hell, it is a torment, mm-hmm. not a torture to them. That This is, no, they had opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And it's like, you know, like with, with uh, me when I was diagnosed with cancer, like, you know, they offered me chemotherapy drugs that could kill the cancer in my body. I could refuse that. Cancer gets worse. Hey, we, we are asking again. Do you want the chemo to kill the cancer? No, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. And at some point, the consequences of my decisions of rejecting uh, that life-saving medication that saved my life, the rejection of that, it was going to have consequences yeah. to it. And so, you know, that it, so nobody could have stood at my funeral and say, oh, poor Nick, if he just had one more operative, if he just had a second chance to take the chemo, and it's like the doctor sitting there, I have asked him. Numerous times. I tried to show him so much evidence of why he needed this. And it wasn't a matter of intellect. It was always a matter of the will. And for some reason, we think that those people that reject Christ don't have a matter of the will. Well, what's always interesting to me as we've uh, as we've walked, because uh, if you listen to the podcast for any other time, like my my trepidation, my nervousness, mm-hmm. my my own fear and insecurity of walking through Revelation, but as as we've walked through, um, you know, the, the two things that have come to my mind, even again Sunday, was one, the the symbolism that we tie to the Lord is one of two things. It's the the lay down your life lamb who goes to the slaughter. Yep. And then nine times out of 10, the picture of the, the lion and it's beautiful mane going to battle and protecting like everything that that's, and it's like, what do you think? Like you said, like, yeah. what do you think conquering King means? Yeah. Like, do you truly want a King who is a pushover? Do you want a King who is going to change his will? 
because someone stood up, like, no, yeah. you stand up against the king, the king's going to. He he is a God of justice. That's exactly right. You know, and righteousness. Yep. And I mean, it, it's all of that same time. And it's like, and that's where, you know, uh, for even more like, so for us not living in the tribulation and, and we won't as the church, but it, it's so good for us to know that because that same matter of the will is a, is here for us in the church age of there are people who you know we we can share the love of Christ we can share a testimony with and they're just like yeah I'm just not and it's like and we sometimes ask ourselves that like how could somebody not see the evidence and the truth and the just the goodness of God and it's like easily that and I heard this quote I think it's C.S. Lewis uh, an atheist cannot find God the same way that a thief can't find a police officer. He doesn't want him, and he's not trying. Okay, and man, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like so, and I and that quote just kind of hit me, and I thought because I I struggle with that at times. It's like, how do these people not see this? Like you know, having my apologetics, and it's like, and then I have to remember, like, there's no amount of evidence that's going to muster faith. Yeah, you're like, not going to convince them to love Jesus. Yeah, place. Yeah faith it comes first and then the hearing the word of god hearing the apologetics and defending but the faith comes first and there's no amount and it's like so why don't they see that and it's like the same reason that a burglar a thief isn't looking for a copy there and it's like oh it's a matter of the will yeah and understanding that is so helpful yep because for for whatever reason predominantly it seems like inside the church no i'd say outside the church too there's this thought that that the lord is turning his back on someone who desires to place their faith yes. in him like Good but point. lord i want that and he's like nope and it's yeah. like that's not when you when you cherry pick when you and we'll mm-hmm. talk about it in a little bit when yep. you go to the buffet and you only want certain types of food or certain yep. pieces of theology that's when you start getting into really sticky situations. Yeah. When you don't have a holistic understanding, when you, when you like me, stick your head in the sand and don't want to deal with the hard things because of what it may force you to encounter or interact with. Mm-hmm. And we go like, you know, I don't want peace. <laughs> yeah. But I'll take a lot of steak <laughs> and some seafood. Like that yeah. would be great. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and we don't, you know. And honestly, like in our humanness and in our flesh, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, yeah. There's whole denominations that are that are thriving because of that. That's the preaching that's tickling ears is come to the buffet, except we only serve what you want. Yeah. If you don't want it, we don't have it because mm. who would want that? It exists, but it's somewhere else. Yeah. And it would almost be like that. Some would even say it doesn't even exist. Like, how could people even believe that? That, Yeah. You know, to the point of like the existence of hell or that anybody would be separated from God. Like it can get real deep, real quick and real scary theologically. So, but yeah, those are the four suppers, um, salvation, uh, communion, marriage supper of the lamb and the great supper of God. And the quote that I loved was, um, and I'm probably going to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase that mess it up, but it's, uh, if you don't come to the first yeah, supper, that's okay. You know, if you don't come to the first supper, the second supper will mean nothing to mm-hmm. you and you won't be present at the third supper, but you will be at the fourth. Everybody gets invited to a table either to eat or to be, or to be eaten. And I said that and you just pin drop mic drop. And it was just like, 
I mean, we have to think of the seriousness of it and how it is centered on Christ. Cause you know, I, I don't know if I was, it, it just hit me too much. I don't know if I was trying to make it more than what it is, but for some reason we went marriage supper of the lamb to start 19 and we ended 19 with the great supper of God. And in the middle of that, we see our conquering King. Mm -hmm. Like there, for me, there was significance in that. And it was just, do I want to be at the wedding feast with him or do I want to be at the cleanup feast against him? Mm. That's a, yeah. Like that's, it's a very some sobering thought. Yes, it really is because, and that's the key. Everyone is invited mm-hmm. to one of those dinners. So like the, the very morbidness of who I am, right? So it, I've talked about it before. I oh, go yeah. to a Royals game, look at everybody, you're all going to die. Like that sort of thing. So I'm on the boat. Mm. There's 4,000 people on this boat. We docked up at Costa Maya. There was three other cruise ships at the same time. It was packed. 15,000 people descending on. Yeah. And we're all walking in this line. Um, and it's a wide concrete pier and we're all walking to get through this gate into Costa Maya and I was just like is this a preview of what's to come all I could think about was Matthew 7 Mm. for wide is the gate and broad is the road and narrow is the gate or small is the gate narrow you know and I was just like and here we are on this wide broad and we're all just trying to go there and it's like is this a picture of my life dang you know like that like where where do I want to be walking and then, and the road is narrow. The gate is small. Why? Because when you're following Jesus, there's not much room. It's a narrow path because you're following one man where the world, you're following a whole stampede mm-hmm. of debauchery and evil. And just seeing that and we're all just like, and we're, we're rushing to get there. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, it was just a weird uh, reality check for me. To Walk in that. and see yeah, that. Yeah. It's like I know probably nobody else was thinking that, and here's Nick like, over here having the a, beach. This oh, is great. Yeah. Nick's, Nick's like, had uh, thought of like, what this is? What am I? What am I doing here? Is yeah. this a picture of my life right now? So, but yeah, those. So those are the four. Those are the four suppers, which I think is just that was probably one of my favorite parts to go through that, yeah. and the Mad Lib Jesus part of it was my favorite on Sunday. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, We've talked about it a bunch. Yeah. I don't think it's a hard shift. No, it's good. Um, the, the turn, um, the, the buffet of faith and doctrine, <laughs> I got real um, lost in a good way. Oh, okay. I was like, like when you, you're like, I do, guy? how dumb are you? <laughs> it wasn't that hard. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but just thinking through, because there was, yeah. uh, I think, you know, as we kind of started the podcast, for me, I began we've all done, you know, Mm -hmm. like we've all walked through, we've all been there. So I just started rolling in my head through what, what's the things that I've chosen to, to, to participate in, to choose, to actively invest in the things that I've chosen to stay away from. Um, the things that I've been forced to interact with that have been hard, but so good, you know? Um, and so me and my wife were talking so I'm just going to preface it this way because <laughs> I know you feel very strongly. Bring it. So let me see if I can put this question. I love it. Because um, I think you and I would differ some <gasps> on this. What? Um, we are not perfectly in melody? Imagine that. How and could we ever do ministry together? We friends and like talking. What? I know. Um, 
so this is a question that my wife had and I was like, oh, you know what? That's a like, if you quickly think about it, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then when you really dive in, <laughs> um, are so many people deconstructing their faith because they never truly understood who God is. They never properly constructed their faith. Sorry, I didn't know if that's where you were going. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so they found the God they wanted mm. at the buffet of where they wanted based on a word that they never allowed. Hold on. Based on a word that they never allowed to transform their life. Just say that like one more time for us. Okay. Um, mm. The whole part yeah. or the end part? No, the whole part. The deconstructing the okay. faith. Okay. So are so many people deconstructing their faith? because they never truly understood who God is and had faith. They, because they found the God they wanted in the word or built the God they wanted based on the word, but never allowed themselves to be transformed by the very word that they pulled their God from. Yes. Next topic. <laughs> so let's stick with the buffet analogy, right? So we all, we all roll through the buffet and we all go sit down and we, and we're all eating mm -hmm. and we're all looking at each other's plates and there's a little bit difference. And here's the problem. Um, some of us didn't go through the buffet. We sat down and a meal was prepared for us mm -hmm. and set before us and we had no choice in it. But we think that we all did the same thing. Mm. We look at my plate and we think, oh yeah, that's what you wanted today. Mm -mm, I don't want that. That's what was delivered to me. Mm -hmm. And so let's make it like, let's step out of the analogy. I, I do get a, uh, a pushback that people say, oh, that's just how you read scripture because that's what you were taught. Mm -hmm. They're saying what is on your plate is because that is what you were taught to scoop up from the buffet. No, 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 no. Because there are, though. Because that's what they've done. Because that's what they've done. And there are people out there that have done that, yep. which I would say painting with a broad <clears throat> brush. A yep. lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, a lot of yep. Christians yep. Um, have found themselves, mm -hmm. you know, going, this This is this theological stance yep. that I want to make. Now I'm going to defend it by yep. going and cherry picking and finding those. It was scriptures. one of the greatest things that I loved about my Bible college and seminary is they didn't teach us we believe this is the this i mean they have their own doctrinal yeah, statements yeah. but they didn't say this is it and if anything's against us this is heresy i had to pretty much every doctrinal and some that like i'm never going to preach from the stage because uh, one i don't think there's like profit from it you know so let's just talk about one of them uh, the impeccability impeccability of christ could he have sinned or mm. could he not have sinned I think it's a stupid question because did he sin? No. So I think it's, yeah, it, he didn't sin. So why are we discussing we'll if play he the had, gray area? Yeah. Like, well, did he have the opportunity to sin? Well, he's our faithful high priest. He was, he, he endured temptation like anybody else. And so there's this, we're, yeah. we're, we're going into the hypothetical and it's just like, there's no true answer. Yeah. And the there's point? no, what, where's the fruit in that? You know, unless and, you're trying to break something you, apart. There it is. Right. So there's some things like that. I don't see a big fruit on like if Jesus could send or if not, he didn't. 
could could God create a <clears throat> rock so heavy that even he can't move? Yeah. I hate that. Yeah, question. it's stuff like that. Which Stupid. It, it is because there's there's that's not there's no fruit in that. It's actually used far more to bring negative doubts, not positive doubt. Mm-hmm. That would it, it's the doubt that pulls us away from God, not the doubt that brings us closer to yeah. Him, right? So so in my Bible college and seminary, they um, almost every doctrinal stance. They would, you know, especially if there's like two main camps. So, so if it's a salvation one, let's talk about the Calvinism, Armenian, whatever. I had to defend and critique both sides. Mm. But at the end of it, I had to say, okay, so what do I believe and why do I believe it? I had to defend it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of the apologetics was not being taught how to defend your safe faith. I, I had to defend my faith. Mm-hmm. I had to take, okay, where what things need defending, how do I defend them? It wasn't like, okay, hey, we're going to give you the one, two, three when somebody says that the word of God's not the yeah. word of God. They would say inerrancy of scripture. Yes, no, defend, critique each side. Now, where do you land? And that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And because of that, what instead of me having a school that said, uh, pre-trib, pre-mill, dispensationalism, instead of covenant theology, you know, Arminian, Calvinism, whatever, you know, instead of all that, here's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Here are those doctrinal stances, defend and critique each one, but where do you land? And so to defend it, I had to go back to the word of God. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel far more, and and maybe I, I, I actually had uh, one pastor in my tenure of ministry, far removed, uh, called me arrogant Hmm. because I was, I was so firm in my doctrinal stance. I got called heretical. Oh, nice. There you go. And it's like, how can you be, it's like, because I've, I've had to do that study. Like I, I, I can defend it. And so for me, I didn't go to a buffet and say, I wanted to be a pre-trib. I wanted to be a pre-mill. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a dispensationalist. I wanted to be, and to start scooping up, you know, like, you know, okay, so the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, am I sens- Take a little bit of it. cessationist yeah. or am I continuist? Am I a, you know, I didn't just go to what I wanted and what made me feel good. Yeah. I went to the word of God and said, okay, uh, the gifts of the spirit, are they for today or not? How do I defend it? Hmm. And I had to evaluate and critique yeah. both sides of it. And then I had to say, okay, what does the word teach? You know, and, and you listen to, you know, uh, uh, you let the word, so there's like the biblical defense of it. And then you do listen to some of the early church fathers or the medieval church fathers. How did they read scripture that were closer? We're a little far removed from Christ, you know? And then you look at modern commentators and men that are smarter than me. And, but I always, scripture was always the first lens that I went through when I looked at others to say, am I, and, and then I had to land on a position that wasn't me walking up. It was allowing the word to lead me to, mm-hmm. it looks like I'm putting peas on my plate. Oh, did you, you love peas, right? Yo, yeah. So you're a, and it's like, actually, I, I, if it was up to me, I wouldn't want peas on my plate. <laughs> I wish I didn't like peas. But because the word of God led me to that, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to take peas. You know, like I would love the idea that nobody goes to hell. I'd love the idea that everybody's going to be saved. Mm-hmm. I can't put that on my plate yeah. because the word of God did not lead me to that part of the buffet. If anything, the word of God warned me. Don't go to that one. Don't do that. Because if you put that on your plate, these things, if you do put them on your plate, 
it, it's not going to mix well mm-hmm. and it's actually going to be even more debt like it's going to be and that's and, and that's what's hard for me is i get that burden of oh yeah that's just what you're taught and that's how you read the word of god and it's like thank you for summing up 10 years of hard study education for my my wife my family has sacrificed so much thank you for summing that up in one freaking sentence yeah like the the hours that I've sat in front of a computer writing, reading the hours of just laying in bed, praying and just like, Lord, I am struggling with this yeah. thought. Help me like that. That must be nice. Just to roll into the buffet, grab chicken strips and fries and just flippantly say that yeah. to me. Thank you so much. Like yeah. that is a struggle for me. And so so if I do come across there, I don't I come across, I think. Uh, confident and convicted. Hmm. This is what the word of God says. And and the apologetics comes in because like if, if we're looking at plates and it's like, oh, somebody has something different or they don't have this on their plate, okay, but then help me understand those verses then. Mm-hmm. If all scripture is profitable, then how how do I keep that on my plate and understand this? So, uh, case in point, uh, some people do not believe that there is a rapture. Okay, so what do I do with First Corinthians fifteen? What do I do with John fourteen? And what do I do with First Thessalonians four? If there is no rapture, then then what is that referring to? Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Well, I just don't believe in that. And it's like, and oh, I think one of the greatest lines. Oh, I'm gonna blank on his name. Who said it? It'll come to me one day. Um, we highlight the parts of the Bible that we like and we ignore the rest. I've never done that. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh. I'm going to start highlighting all the parts I don't like. Yeah. So when I open it up, people are like, yeah, he loves the Bible. Like, actually, those are all the areas of scripture that I don't like. You know, Jesus looked at a guy and and said, you know, uh, pick up your cross and follow me. And then he also looked at another one and said, sell everything that you own, give it to the poor and follow me. And he, he looked at Nicodemus and said, born again. We love the idea of being born again, but I really want to pick up my cross. And so we highlight those parts of the Bible that we like and we ignore the rest. And the and the fear for me is that where do we draw the line on the parts of the Bible that we're supposed to ignore? I've never found that. Mm -hmm. So we can have differing theologies. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is then help me understand what does that verse refer to? And, and a line my professor always used to say is if, uh, I forgot how he worded the first word, but something like common sense or the basic sense, if that makes sense, seek no other sense Mm. where it's sometimes I hear these and it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta twist it this a little bit away and stand on your left foot, blink one and kind of, and it's just like, or, or could we just let the word of God speak? Because what, because then what we're saying a little bit is that the plain grammatical, literal historical interpretation of scripture uh, is, is not there, that there is a hidden meaning Mm -hmm. And then that opens up that the Gnosticism was right. You had to have a you have to have a deeper truth to understand the Word of God. And there, you know, and it's not a, you know, there's a difference between somebody that studied the Word of God and knows it well compared to like a newer believer. Mm-hmm. That's not what Gnosticism was. It was, you know, no matter how much study you did, you couldn't reach that because there had to be something outside of the Word of God, a special power and ability mm-hmm. to understand the deeper truths. And and so many times I think we treat the Word of God like that, or can we just let the word of God speak? 
If you were on a deserted island and you just read it, like that's, let the word of God lead you to it. Like, don't let Calvin, don't let Arminius, don't let, you know, all these great commentators that we have today. Don't let Martin Luther, don't let, like they all have their issues. And I'm sure I do too. Like nobody's batting a thousand on perfect doctrine, but let the word of God speak in it. Where I was listening to one pastor who's a real or whatever and and he was talking about the verse that says god doesn't desire any to perish but all to be saved and and he starts talking about um uh, his efficacious will and it's like where's that in scripture mm. so he has this great doctrinal thought where there's because we got to talk about the will of god and how could the the will of God be denied because if it's God's will, how, how could that not happen? And so now he, but then he's got to break down his theology because he has to account for how could somebody reject God? Oh, but they can't, they can't reject God. They just weren't chosen. And so here's his efficacious will. And so now we're adding to the buffet Mm. to, to make sure we can hold fast to the thing that we put on our plate from the buffet that honestly, was never there yeah we just break it down more where you know so there, there's a lot of like struggle in that and so for me uh, and i'm kind of a little bit rambling and might seem even a little bit passionate it's let the word speak let scripture interpret scripture and if you just read it it will lead you to the truth like how unloving of a God would we have who, who he knows he is transcendent from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if anybody knows that God is not like us, it's, it's God. God. <laughs> like if anybody's going to know that thought, I think God knows He's that. He's so self-aware. That yeah. You know. Yes, exactly. He <laughs> knows I am too far greater than my creation for them to fully know me. And, and so they're going to struggle in that. Mm-hmm. Now, now think of the character of God to give us his word, but do it in such a way that we can't find him. Yeah. That's the difficulty there. Or does it say what it means and it means what it says? And so other little ways that I think hold the buffet of doctrine and it's like, well, the number of times that something's mentioned, I'm, I'm going to catch that question yeah. when we get to the millennial kingdom. Well, the word millennium, you know, some people are like, I just don't like these man-made words. And it's like, they're actually, all words are man-made. Show me a word that's not man-made. It, it, the, the, the meaning behind it is what matters. And so when, when I say things like rapture, they'll, oh, well, rapture is not in the Bible. Y- you're absolutely right. The term rapture isn't, but neither is the word Trinity. Anybody want to deny the Trinity today? I hope not. But the word rapture, it's a Latin word from first Thessalonians four that says that we'll be caught up. That's where that term comes from. So it, it's not one thing just to say, oh yeah, I believe in a rapture. Well, how do you defend that? Where's that word? So when people hear that, if they don't know it, it's like, well, rapture is not mentioned in the Bible. And it's like, correct. It's not. So you know, Greek and Hebrew, that's it, the only Bible you carry around. Yeah. It's, oh, that's yeah. You know? And so then, then I'll hear about the millennium. It's like, well, it's only mentioned a few times and it's like, well, yeah. So it's born again. Mm. Born again is mentioned less than a millennium, but there's references to the millennial kingdom, like the number of verses, because in, and, uh, 
in Revelation, it, it is very shortly mentioned, the millennial kingdom. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit, oh yeah, God's going to reign for a thousand years. But what's crazy is, think of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. The millennial kingdom is the kingdom that all the Old Testament was waiting that that's what they were thinking Jesus was going to set up on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Hosanna, save now, set up your kingdom. And when we're in your, like, they're all thinking of the, that's going to be the millennial kingdom. And so actually, you have to go back to the Old Testament, a Jewish book for Jewish, for Israel. There's so much evidence for the millennium in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So many people just, oh, I, I'm only a New Testament kind of guy and it's only mentioned a couple of times and it's like. Then you're gonna have a New Testament view of God. Yeah, then, and you're gonna have a, a mistaken one. You know, explain Jesus being the Lamb of God without the Old Testament. Mm. So when, when John mm. the Baptist looks at him and says, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Explain that without the Old Testament. Explain when Jesus says before Abraham, I am without the old Testament. Even if you could, you don't get a full, like all you need the old Testament to defend the divinity of Christ because he's showing you I'm Yahweh of the old Testament. And so when he says, Oh, I'm the bread of life coming down out of heaven, explain to that outside of the old Testament. But if you say that to that ancient Jewish audience that knows the Old Testament well, they would have been like, is he calling himself manna mm. that God provided? Like they're immediately going to. And now go yeah. back to the Lord's Prayer again. Give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Okay, guy. Okay, guy. <laughs> Slow your roll there. Slow it down. And so, you know, and that's where it's like. So there's mentionings of things that are happening in Revelation, but you need the fuller story in other books. And so, you know, we roll into Revelation. The church is just there Mm -hmm. in heaven. The bride has already been fetched and she's she's just in her waiting period. Well, Revelation doesn't talk about the rapture. Yes, you're correct. Bible scholar. Yeah, it's like. But again, but if you go to first Corinthians. If you go to John 14, if you go to first Thessalonians and then you have, you know, study the feast and the festival, study the Jewish marriage. Like there's all these lines of evidence. And then you just look at the character of God and his wrath and his, what does it mean for him to be the propitiation? So now you have Romans and first John. And so, and again, but if we ignore those parts of scripture, so let's go with that. Let's say, let's say there is no rapture. We're going to ignore John 14, one to three, right? How much? else of John 14 can I ignore yeah that's a slippery slope because then if you draw that line in the sand where does it end exactly because now truly we do have a buffet yep because if you're if you're willing to give there Mm -hmm. then you can you can give anywhere yep and what happens and and we all do this like I'm guilty you're guilty we're all guilty we all have preconceived ideas that we've brought in Mm -hmm. from maybe growing up in the church or having Christian friends or just even our own preconceived of what I would want God to be and the key is we need to find those see if they're true and right and if they're not we need to pull those kind of anchor points up out because Mm -hmm. it's not really a good anchor point because it's in sand and we need to we need to bed those anchor points in rock Right. So there's always going to be parts of scripture. We just don't understand. Like we get to Hebrews. There's some deep stuff there that it's like, that's hard. Right. And, and so, but some of the anchor points in our faith, we need to make sure are in 
rock. Mm -hmm. And that's those doctrinal places where we allow scripture to lead us to those instead of, hey, this is what I want to hold to. So I put my anchor point in and now I'm going to grab scripture to to make sure it's in Mm -hmm. there. If you just put that anchor point in the rock, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And so we have to come across those. And so, um, you know, some people are like, well, I'm an all millennialist. I don't believe there's a millennial kingdom. It's like, all right, let's walk through that. Explain half of Ezekiel to me then. And what I don't like is, oh, the Bible's a hard book to read. Who can understand it? The person trying to understand the grace and the love and the mercy. Like then, then we have no assurance of salvation. Because if we can't understand Ezekiel, how can we understand, you know, John three sixteen? And that's the, for me, like we need to be students of the word and, and what I loved about school, like I'm, uh, some people in ministry, they're like, I hate this. I hate this with everything in me. And I know I'm going to tick off some people. So let's have some fun. You get the you get the little memes that are a picture of Jesus and the disciples and and they're quoting Jesus saying, oh, yeah, once you finish seminary, then I can use you. Hashtag things Jesus never said. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Okay. What Bible college could the disciples have gone to? And then at, Damascus Road. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Calvary Bible College is right down the hill from Calgary. Well, shut up. So. And so then we think that and it's like, oh, well, I, I don't I don't need to go to Bible college. God can just use me. I'll just follow him. And if the church was discipling like it should, we wouldn't need Bible colleges. And it's like, but you can't do what the disciples did. Mm-hmm. Can you give up three years of your life and follow Jesus on earth and let him teach you and show you? No, nobody can do that. And so for me, like biblical education, like the best way I had a pastor explain it to me, he goes like, we're all God's workmanship. We're all tools in his hands. Right. And, and he goes for us in ministry, he goes like, for me, education is one component of it. It's not the full story, but Mm -hmm. it's one component of it. He goes, um, I I don't want to be just a knife in God's hands. Mm. I want to be a scalpel. I want to be super sharp. I want to be able to be super accurate. I want God to be able to really use me in those fine tunings, right? Mm -hmm. Because like any general surgeon can jump in there and fix a hernia, right? That's like, that's surgery 101. Who can cut out cancer that's wrapped around your heart in the aorta Mm -hmm. where one slip and a nick could end that person's life? Yeah. Like, and that's okay. We, we need general surgeons. We need basic doctors. Like, so every medical, you know, doctor is needed but I want to be a scalpel in the hands of God. And we can't just have this like vague, ambiguous, like we need to be students of the word. And, and for me, the apologetics aspect of, of my uh, college and seminary training, it it wasn't because, oh, uh, I think that would be good. And I'm interested in those things. It's like, no, I'm bringing a lot of stinking questions to this thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and even before I was saved, I was having a lot of those questions yeah. and I had a lot of searchings and that just gave me an avenue. So when I'm in, was, I was in class, like I was asking questions and they're like, where is this coming from? My own heart and mind. And one professor got mad at me. I was, I was pushing on him with something because like he was saying this and I said, okay, well, what about this verse? And he kind of called me out in front of everybody. And, and I went to him afterwards and I said, I said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, and I should have said that at the start. I said, I'm not pushing back because I don't agree with you or believe or something trying like that. To understand. But if this small-minded person 
can think of that question, how many people that are going to be in my ministry mm. can come up with the same question? And I want to be able to answer that well. Yeah. And I mean, even my family will do that. Like they'll hear something, see something, they'll send it to me and be like, hey, this person's saying this. So like uh, recently uh, there was something about um, the, the rapture's not real and he's using scripture to defend it. And and Ashley's like, what? I came across this, like how, how do you respond to something like this? And it's like, all right, let's sit down and let's talk about it. First Thessalonians is referencing this. Second Thessalonians is referencing that. The reason Paul wrote it is because they thought they thought they missed the return of Christ, and so he was giving them evidence to say, "No, you haven't missed it." And that's what I said. The context is the key, and she was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." It's like good. That's what we want. And so instead of running to the buffet mm-hmm. and what sounds good and feels good to us, because yeah. let's think about it, any season of our life that we're in. Are we really going to pick the fullness of God? No. In theory, we we want want to, but no. Yeah, right. Like just just like a kid, who who leads in the disciplining of the child, the child or the parent? Well, my house, we're not really sure about that after this morning. <laughs> right now, right? it's been being challenged. Right now, the authority it's is the parent. In, yeah, it's the parent leads in that, and so the Lord loves those whom He disciplines that he corrects, that he admonishes, that he encourages. Why? Because we're not going to pick the things that are best for us. Yeah. We do not have our best interest at heart. Even though we think we do. And we think we do. So why in the world do we think we could roll up to the buffet and say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I want and this is my God. We're not going to pick the fullness. Yeah. And instead, we, we have to run to the word of God let the word of God speak. And here's the hard part. We have to, we're going to get offended. We're going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And we need to be okay with that because we have sin still in our hearts. We still have this old man nature living, trying to get us to pull us back into the grave while at the same time, we're trying to live in freedom in this new life in Christ. And so, um, I think it was, uh, John Wesley, He's like, man, if I don't get ran out of the city, I don't know if I preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy we know, he said, uh, if my church, if if one person, if everybody in my church at least once in a year doesn't get mad at me, I'm probably not preaching appropriately. Mm. And so how many times do we hear something? Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to a different church. Great. You're just going to keep shopping for church the rest yep. of your life. Yep. Have fun on the buffet. Mm. Or you sit down at the table of God. We don't have a waiter that's asking what we want. He prepares Mm. the table before us and he's going to set down before us. This is what you need to eat. This is what you need to work on. This is what you need to change in your life. This is the work that I am doing. The word of God is revealing who I am. Yeah. Not your need, not your desires. You come to the word to discover me. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Quit trying to return the favor and tell me. Like, if anybody's having an identity crisis, it's not the Lord, <laughs> right? He's not sitting there like, oh, look, Jerron got it figured out. He got the perfect combination on the buffet. He change things around. Yeah, wow, yeah. he's so good. No, <laughs> sit down at the table, shut your mouth, and discover who Christ is in the word. Yeah. uh, Wow, Pastor Nick, that's so loving, buddy. (laughs) It's the most loving thing we could say. Yeah. I I sent you something this week that I've been chewing through Mm -hmm. and just like trying to... Yeah, that was stupid. (laughs) 
<laughs> I read it and I thought, oh, this guy's an idiot. Uh, just trying to process through it. And one of the things, even after I sent it to you, one of the things um, that, that I've been chewing on is um, it basically talks about, um, it uses the analogy of climbing a tree and being, you know, do you trust the Lord enough to walk out on the rickety old branch yeah. that he's going to hold it up or, and that's where you need to be. <laughs> and so I've been like, just, I'm, I'm very much an illusionist. I, I like it helps me understand the Lord better. And so, um, like I've just been processing through this idea that for me, failure is, is not an option. It's a bad thing. Um, especially in my faith. Um, and so what if th- this is where I'm at processing through, what if, um, the Lord has specifically and strategically placed himself on the only rickety branch there is in the tree mm-hmm. because what he needs me to do is, is to fail is to fail either trust in him and he holds it up mm-hmm. but put my full confidence in him yeah or he needs me to step out on that branch and walk towards him and that branch is going to fail mm-hmm. and that theological construct or that doctrinal belief that I've placed so much of my identity in or what I mean yeah, pick anything whatever it, is, yeah. whatever it is and that's the most loving thing that he could do mm. is to say now I'm not going to sit up on the tree branch I'm going to climb down and I'm going to help you climb back up mm-hmm. and we're going to start um, for lack of a better term deconstructing <laughs> yeah. uh, ripping apart and cutting out all of the dead branches mm. so that any branch that you want to climb on that any branch that you venture out onto is strong, it's steady, but in the process, you're going to have to find the ones that are broken. Mm-hmm. The easy thing would be, hey, Lord, can you just cut off? Like, <laughs> you call the tree trimmer. Like, yeah. you call the oh, arborist. Yeah. You call the That'd whoever to come out and be like, that, that's dying, that's dead. We just need mm-hmm. to lop it off and be done with it. No, this is, this is your life. This is the life yep. that I have given you, but I'm going to walk through this with you. Yep. It, but you, you're going to have to fall. That is almost the worst thing you could say to John Humiston. Mm. Worst thing. You want to talk about a lack of control, a lack of, like, just yeah, just yes. being in that spot. And so it's yeah. like, you know, when you talk about being a student of the word, I think so many times um, <laughs> uh, for believers, myself included, let's just, yeah. you know, we come to the place of, we become boisterous and arrogant about the things that we do trust, the things that are firm, and then we don't ever talk about the things that we aren't, yeah. or we position ourselves or surround ourselves, um, not because we're not willing to learn, although there are those people out there, yeah. um, because we're scared that by allowing the word to transform our lives, by being students of the word, um, that the very thing that we thought was so confident was so strong, was so secure, was so well understood, was so well defended, is actually the weakest link yeah. in the chain. And it's got to break. Oh, yeah. So that a new piece can be put in. And when do you want that chain link to break? I mean, I, I'd like when it. When you need it the most? Absolutely not. Exactly. And, and that's many, when it breaks. That's when it breaks. And Every that's time. when people say, oh, that link broke, so the whole chain is ruined. And it's like, nope, you just had... That that branches broke, so the whole tree's bad. No, yep. it's not. Could I mean, you can poss- cut the tree down. Yeah. That's a waste. Yeah, and that's where the deconstructing comes. Is that we see, oh my, f- 
my wrong preconceived false expectation of God failed me. So everything is going to fail me. And it's yeah. like, or it could have been your just false expectation. Yeah. And, and again, we have to remember the disciples did the same thing. I mean, Jesus is like, Hey, I'm rolling into Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me, you know? And Peter stands up and he says, you know what, Lord, I think you're right. That is true. No, he stands up and he's like, no, I'll keep it from happening. Yeah. May it never be. And what's Jesus shut up, sit down, get behind me. Satan. Are you serious? Like he, he went to the buffet that his God, his savior, his Messiah, there's no way that there could be a cross mm-hmm. within his concept of Jesus. That's not how my King's going out. Yep. And, ha- and we do the exact same thing. And we think we're doing the Lord a favor. Amen. Like, Hey Lord, let me help you mm-hmm. scoot off the throne and let me help you. And at some point, there is a tipping point. Like nobody's perfect. Again, nobody's batting a thousand on perfect doctrine, right? But there is a tipping point where we can have harmony on some things and they're not like core doctrines of yeah. salvation, but there is a tipping point that now that is affecting. You can't say the Trinity do- isn't real. Like- exactly. And that's where, okay, so going back to eschatology, why eschatology matters, you know, there is some people that believe, no, 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 we got to live through the tribulation because and and this is the line that was said because we have to earn our rights, and it's like ooh, now that's a slippery slope. Yeah, because now your a skewed view of eschatology. What it did is change your soteri- soteriology, your yeah, salvation. You have a workspace faith now. There it is. And it's like, so like, you, you, you know, if you want to say you're a mid-tribber or post-tribber, sure, I don't care. But the moment you start touching salvation mm-hmm. to be a works-based, because you have to earn your right and you have to be found worthy to be saved, to endure, you know, the wrath uh, and the, the persecution of the enemy, you, know, you don't do anything to be found That's worthy. That's because you're insecure and you feel good about yeah, yourself. Salvation is that we walked up to Jesus and said, I am worthless, yep. not that I am worthy. And there's, there's nowhere in our sanctification that we find ourselves worthy. I mean, l- last night I did. <laughs> For a millisecond. Second. Yeah. It would not, in a, not in a, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, and then we I do blinked. It, but and, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we, we really do need to see how important the issue, because again, there's, there's that tipping point. And if we, if we don't correct some of those things, and if we're not willing to honestly examine our lives and our theology mm-hmm. by the mirror of the word of God and say, I think I'm off here because mm-hmm. of the evidence of the word, you're going to get to a point where you're going to have this, this Jesus that you love so much and you've done all this for, but what's he going to say to us at the end? Mm. I never knew you. Where they're saying, oh, yeah, Jesus, we know you. We did all these things for you. Look at all this. And he's like, "That you weren't serving me. Yeah. You were serving your preconceived false expectations of who you thought I was. The scariest thought in the Bible yeah. is not revelation. It's those that stand before the Lord and pre- present their accolades. Yeah. I did this in your name. Mm-hmm. I did this on your behalf. And that's the, for me, I think that's the, the pendulum swing where, um, we, we get a wrong Jesus that we're serving and it's actually our own heart desires and what we want. And then the other side of having a wrong view of Jesus is then we deconstruct and we, and we don't know who he is like Mm -hmm. that's it. And again, Satan doesn't care. 
he could care less. Take your pick. Yep. He could care less which side of the boat you fall off of. He doesn't care. He just doesn't want you on the boat with Jesus. If you want to fall off the side that says, oh, yeah, this is my Jesus and this is who I'm serving. And he wants nothing but healthy, wealthy and wise. And he just loves me. And it's, a you know, oh, yeah, he don't care because that's not Jesus. You're not following him. Or if you pick that you had this Jesus that, you know, you stepped out on that branch that failed. And so you threw the whole tree away. He don't care. He, he just doesn't want you following the true Jesus. Mm. And that's why most cults. Hands down, across the board, they attack three different areas. They attack the Word of God, they attack the person of Christ, and they attack creation. Mm-hmm. And almost in that order. I would, I think the Word and Jesus are the exact same. And why is that? Yeah. You have the living Word of God and you have the written Word of God. Why would any kind of cult attack those two? Because that's a work of Satan that wants nothing more for you than to put your hope, your trust, and your faith in a false Messiah. Because then... He has you. And how many people are so convinced that they're following Jesus? But then when Mm. they come to the word, all of a sudden they have this crisis of faith. And it's like, there's a reason for that. Like that, that is scary. Because you weren't following Jesus. Yeah. Because again, our faith isn't in the, uh, oh, I, I, this, this burning in my bosom and this, you know, I know that I know that I know it's like. The word of God tells me mm-hmm. um, the old song, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible mm-hmm. tells me. So uh, Ashley found, she goes, Oh, I saw this sweatshirt and I want it. And said, instead of it saying, Jesus loves me. This I know Jesus knows me. This I love. Mm, let's go. Can we rewrite that song? <laughs> and you know, it's like, and, and so when we come to him, when we allow the word of God, to speak and we discover who Christ truly is in the word, not in our emotionalism, not in um, good Bible teachers. And that's, that's the number one thing I'll say. Like we can disagree, but you have to use the word of God. Yeah. Like we can disagree and that's fine, but we, you gotta go to the word. The moment you walk up to me and be like, well, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like punching you in the face, you know, but you know, <laughs> we're not going to let our feelings, you know, we're going to let the facts, we're going to let the word of God. Um, and, Sorry, I just get really passionate about that. There we go. And so we, when we allow the word to lead for us and we we discover Christ there, I mean, how beautiful of a reality that the God of all creation, the God that went to the cross, that walked out of the grave, knows you mm. by name. And going back to Revelation 19, thinking of the marriage supper of the lamb and how the bridegroom would just be waiting, waiting. This was Cliff pulled me aside after service and he said, dude, the one thought that just wrecked me, that Jesus is eagerly Mm. waiting to come for you, for his bride. Like let that identity. Yeah. You need to pick me up. Yeah. Find your pick me up in your identity in that. Oh, because even in the even in our college life group, we because we meet Sunday night, so we're like fresh right out of the sermon, and and uh, one young lady was talking about that, and she goes, "That was a thought that I've never had before, that I've never heard that he, you know, because a lot of times I think I run to Jesus, and he's saying, oh, yeah, there's Nick again. Oh, you want, up, oh yeah, you haven't talked to me all week, but now yep. you want a little something, something. Okay, let's talk. What do you need? That's not the heart of the Father. That's not the heart of our Jesus. That's not him. But again, that preconceived idea, like how slippery of a slope it is. You know, we, 
and that's where, again, we can feel that. And that can be a real thing. But again, our feelings don't drive our faith. Look to the word. Is that, is God struggling, putting up with us? No, he's long suffering. Mm. He eagerly seeks us out. Like he's taking the steps forward. He's drawing us to him. Like he knows us. Like that's why it matters so much because how quickly we can have a different view of who Jesus is and how he responds to us and what is required of us. How many yeah. times do we fall into a workspace? I got to do all these things so that he is pleased in me. Because Cliff hit on that on worship at the mm-hmm. end of the sermon. You know, like, oh, I had a good week, so I come in, I'm praising the Lord, or I had a bad week and it was hard to worship. And it's like, you're worshiping yourself. I, I just pulled over and just had to like walk for five minutes. And I thought this loser <laughs> I just weeped like <laughs> reading my mail. Yeah, you know, and how many times do we do that? We have a busy week. We don't get in the word. We feel disconnected and we walk into Sunday and we almost feel ashamed to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know who real Jesus is. Though. Yeah. Mm. Or you have a great week. You shared your faith. You walk in and you're just a giant hero for the Lord. You, you don't know the Lord then like that, that hits. That's, yeah. So, Doctrine matters. Does it? I don't feel like I've got that from this conversation for the last hour and. Mm, It's good. Almost a half. Almost a half. Let's go. Maybe we can quiet down some people. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, certain certain individuals, but it's good. No, it was it was good. I'm excited to. um, I I, for me personally, it's it's been very uh, scary, nerve wracking, life changing to walk Mm -hmm. through Revelation. And I just continually find myself chewing through things like, oh, crud, I've, that changes. Yeah. Like I thought this, but I, I need to go back and, and rethink. Like Same for me. I mean, I've been challenged through this study. Like how many times do I walk out of sermon prep and I'm just like, mind blown. Like what the, you know, like this isn't like, oh, this is on my top shelf. I, I just grab it and go. And Take the feeling that uh, you guys <laughs> feel on Sunday, walking away from Sunday morning. I get that on Thursday. I've come to not necessarily enjoy Thursday because I know when Nick's door opens, the look in his face, it's like. Everybody crap, runs. My world is about to get wrecked. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to question something in the next 10 minutes. Like, did you know? No, I didn't know no, God I didn't. was real. No, I'm real confused now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, it's so, good. No, and that's the, and that's the beauty because the moment that that stops happening, that mm. should be a light on our dashboard. And it's not going to happen every time. Yeah. But even like, okay, let's walk through James. It should happen. Let's walk through the book of Mark. It should happen. Let's walk through Exodus. It should happen. There, it might not as be as much because we're, you know, again, like you have said, Revelation isn't like that sought after like you're in one of two camps either you love it and that's all you read weirdo or you never read it weirdo, weirdo. you know exactly <laughs> you know it's like don't give it special preference but don't give it an under like just just like any other like yeah it's good you know so put it in context put it in context and just go with it but it's the same way like it, all of the word of god should be hitting us that same way yeah so well thanks dude for sitting down and i love this do you I don't know if anybody else does, but this helps me so much. I love it. I was telling... Um, In process with Pastor Nick. Uh, we're not changing the name. <laughs> I've already had that thought like 15 really? times. Yeah. Like, 
oh, the breakdowns actually turned into something. Mm. Oh, I could have named it something so much better than the so breakdown. So much cooler. Right. I was uh, I was having that conversation with uh, Taylor last week. We were talking about um, when Cliff had left, um, you know, and just kind of walking through, uh, just coming into Revelation and coming out of Revelation each and every week. The special treatment we put on the the closing mm-hmm. of the book where we won't like and we've even talked about this where we won't put that on genesis as the opening yeah. book or any of the other 65 books in between it's like we take this one book and it's oh. like oh. it's so true just, i'm like what are we doing what, yeah. what are we doing i've had people walk up and they're like i've been studying the book of revelation for 20 years I thought Mark Mark's good too. <laughs> you might want to try Matthew. Yeah, yeah like Luke? Romans. Ro- like Romans hits. <laughs> Have you read Genesis? Did yeah. you know that was a book? Did you <laughs> try Jonah? Just just go. <laughs> oh, it's good. Well, so, thanks for having me back. I didn't know if you'd have me back. I'm oh, so yeah. glad. Oh yeah, so glad. We'll 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 keep you around at least for another week, at least the Revelation because I'm I'm not leading the, the topic on Revelation. <laughs> You're not doing it. No, I ain't doing it. So. We uh, we're in Revelation twenty this week, this coming Sunday. So we'll Ooh, break down. Here we go. We're in the twenties. We're in the twenties because there's only three. Yeah, yeah. We're 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 down to just some single digits now. Yeah. And really, the last one kind of steps out of uh, the whole end times kind of thing mm-hmm. and like jumps back into you know like okay, hey, here's all the stuff and this is what. Uh, if you're catching what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So instead of like going through the end times and here's the next event and the next event, yep. it stops it and it kind of pulls it back to, you know, at the beginning of the book of who's reading it, you know, okay, here's everything I wanted you to know, but now here's the response. What do we do moving forward? From- so there, there isn't the end at Revelation? Like there's not big words that say the end with a big... No. Hap- okay. No, no. Nice much revelation music, I read. Slow music going. Yeah, the, where the camera goes. You it's know, pretty much Jesus further. saying, "See you soon." Well, that's actually, a cool thought. Yeah, it, it's cool. it's actually an invitation. Just come to the Lord. Mm. I was like, "To what?" That makes sense. The bride says, "Come." The Spirit says, "Come." Mm. Jesus, come. Because of everything that you know, come to the Lord. So. Revelation should be the first book there it is. that a new believer reads. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, they would so have I no took a really serious moment. And they would have no questions whatsoever. If you start with the crazy, it's downhill from <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, you got it from there. Where most of it start at the sane and go to the crazy. But well, we'll uh, we'll break down Revelation twenty next week. Thanks for sitting down. Um, if you haven't liked or subscribed, we ask each and every week. Go ahead and and subscribe to the podcast uh, or. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel Let's uh, go. so you know when we upload a new episode yes. each and every time. You get that delivered right to a little push notification on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, or Instead whatever. of texting us, when's the podcast going to be up? I have, Why I, do we give people that kind of phrase, like tone in their voice? I don't know. They don't say it like that. That's exactly <laughs> tone for tone how I they know. say it. Even I haven't gotten one text. You haven't? I have not yeah. gotten one text. Tuesday came and went, and I figured, like, dinner time last oh, night. Yeah, somebody would have. Somebody would have been like, hey. Maybe they knew I was on vacation and was having to catch up on this, a bunch of stuff. Now, I bet you I will get a couple tonight. You think so? Yeah, like, because sometimes they'll, they're so used to checking on Tuesday oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they'll check, and it's not schedule. there. So they'll, they'll go back to, like, tonight. You know, maybe they're like, 
are they gonna i'll just text her on yeah, and find out see what we're doing. so here we go that'll be great so we'll catch you guys next week for revelation 20 more pandemonium more craziness and more of us just sitting down talking about life and faith so thanks Amen. for listening thanks for watching we'll see you guys next week